We're going to start with a nice word on Parshas Bulak from the Azor Eliyui. A Talmud from Kotzke Reb. He brings the, the Rashi by Benoit Selofchod. At Kaim Benoit Selofchod Doivrus. Yuus, kach ksive Parshas Zilafun Abamurem. Magid shiruus ha'aynon, mashaloi ruus ha'aynon shal Moshe. Rashi says that the Benoit Selofchod saw what was written in Shemaim in the Torah, something that even Moshe Rabbein didn't see. So he asked the question, you know, they, they were paskening, they were just asking a question. What do you mean, they saw in Shemaim that this is written in the Torah, and, and, and they knew the halacha? They, they, it seems that they were coming to ask what the halacha is. Um, you know, if somebody's asking, he's, coming, he's, he's asking a question, saying, I, I know that this is the halacha, how does that work? So he says something interesting. He said, were Anushim And they, they wouldn't have wanted something if it wasn't the way it should be. In other words, a tzaddikus, a tzaddik, the things that he wants, things that tempt him, the things that are pulling him and attracting him, are usually things that are good. And being that that's the case, if the, if the halacha wouldn't have been that they can have a chaylik ba'udah, it's a chaylik v'nachle, and it's Yisrael, then they wouldn't have wanted it in the first place. They, they wouldn't be tempted to want something that Hashem didn't want them to have. They realize that because they want it so badly, it must be that really this is something that they should, that they should happen. So when they saw he brings the pusik till the When they saw that they were being attracted to it and they wanted a part of his role, they, they, and, and Moshe Bain didn't realize that, they realized that the Rishtokikis is probably revealing to them something that, uh, that Hashem really wanted. And that's the Lushan Rashi. Um, their eyes were being pulled and, and attracted to something that even Moshe Bain didn't realize, and it's because they were really being mechavan to what it said, Lufun Abamurim, and the Ibish Torah. So I hope it's not to uh, be considered going off on a tangent, but the two things that I see in such a word, I mean, maybe I'm just a little one-track-minded by now, um, but two points. One is that they saw that the Torah wants them to have something, and they didn't wait for it to happen on its own. I mean, essentially, they want it, and, and they're being mechavin aluemis, that Hashem wants this to happen, so it's going to happen, right? So I could just be quiet, right? So I could expect Moshe Bain to figure it out on his own, right? The answer is no, don't, don't wait for people to figure things out. If you want something and you think it should happen, you have to speak up and communicate. That's first of all. The second thing that I, that I would take out of this is the humility. He's talking about Nushim Tzedkunias, who saw something in Shemayim that they felt, it seems, that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, missed. Instead of coming at him and saying, you know, this is how it should be, and this is what we feel, this is how we, we, you know, this is how we, if we feel this way, it must be that way. And, and we, we, we believe that this is how it should be, and you're making a mistake. They didn't do that. They were humble enough to come ask Moshe Rabbeinu in a question. Could it be that we're supposed to have a Khalib Nakhla Burat? We really want one, and we assume that if we want it, um, there's reason to think that maybe it's the right thing to do. Tell us if we're mistaken. And again, that's something that surpassed, you know, something that for Nushim Sitkunis to talk that way. Um, it's funny because there's, there's that word, that Hashem told Mashibani, the Veldzuk Tavertal, that Mashibani came telling Hashem, these Bnei Slavchad are screaming at me. And Hashem said, No, it's nothing, that's how they talk. The, the word kind really doesn't mean that, it means that it's true. Um, but the kind, that's how, that's how women talk. Don't, don't be so uh, offended by it. You know, but in this case, we're seeing something different. This is how Tzedkunias talk. When they see something and they know something and they feel very strongly about something, they still come to ask and make sure they're not mistaken. I think that's something we can learn from it. Um, so, I'm going to read a question over here from uh, Isha Tzedkunias, who writes like this. I have a question. Hopefully you can give me an answer or at least guide me in the right direction. I'm married for... X amount of years, and Bokshem have X amount of healthy children. How's Hashem? I don't even know how to write it down, how to collect the right words. I'm hoping you'll understand. I don't think my husband and I have an understanding to one another. 
In fact, I know definitely that he doesn't know and he doesn't know me, because recently he listened to a shear about men getting their wives to open up to them and get them to talk about what it is that they want or feel. At the end of the shear, I asked my husband what it was about, what it was, what it was about, what it was about if he enjoyed it. And he said it wasn't something he hasn't heard yet, and besides, it's not applicable to us because I'm pretty good at expressing myself. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how wrong that is. I don't think I've ever spoken about my feelings or what I want without rethinking one million times what I would say, what I want to say, and in the end decided not to say anything. But that's just a slight hint of the miscommunication we have. I really, really need someone to help us, to help me, to guide me, or tell me what I could do to create or improve the communication that we don't have. Please, if you, by any miracles, see this email, get back to me and help me create a relationship that I'm yearning. Okay, so it seems that the miracle happened, and I saw your email. Um, I see all emails that people send me. I feel terrible that it takes me so long to address questions. There's always the, the option of just addressing each one in two minutes and, and doing all the week's emails at once, but I, I feel that it's more uh, beneficial for the general public if we discuss ideas more elaborately, and it takes a little longer to get the questions, but I appreciate it, whoever does reach out to me, and whenever... It's anything other than a question, I try to respond as well. And with that said, whoever wants um, to receive my weekly essay, for example, could reach out to me. Whoever has any kind of question about counseling or guidance or appointments could reach out to me. And whoever has a question to be addressed by a sheikh, reach out to me. My email is Rabbi Gruen, R-A-B-B-I-G-R-U-E-N, at lahair.org, L-E-H-A-I-R.org. So, so we read a question about a woman who feels that she's not expressing herself at all, rethinking a million times about what to say or if to say things, and her husband thinks that she's expressing herself wonderfully, so we have a wonderful communication, so this terrible, terrible um, situation over here. I didn't read all the exclamation marks. Um, but the first thing that I want to say is don't panic and don't dramatize. You're, you're, you're describing something quite normal. Um, quite normal. Right? Quite normal. I, I say it all the time when people have all kinds of problems and questions and issues, and I always say, it's normal, it's normal, calm down. Uh, so the first thing is, calm down, it's normal. A lot, of, a lot of different parts of what you're writing here is normal. It's normal for a woman to not feel so comfortable sharing her feelings. It's, it's normal for a man to not hop that at all. It's normal for um, the two of you to have a different perspective of what's going on over here. It's all very, very normal. That's first of all. Um, the second thing I want to say is that it's... It, don't dramatize means that um, you might think that it's... He might think it's, it's amazing and awesome and perfect. You might think it's terrible and disastrous and dysfunctional. And I'll tell you that it's probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's amazing, but I don't think it's so terrible like you're describing it at all. Uh, very often with kids we see this, that, that all or nothing, that splitting perspective, the splitting perception is called, where a child comes home from, from, from his day in Haider and says, I don't know the Gemurah. What don't you know? Nothing. I don't, know, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the Gemara we learned today, this week. We learned the Gemara this week, we learned the Gemara this month, this year. I, I don't know one word. We, what don't you understand? It's, it's simple in the beginning there. I don't know anything. What happens is usually you sit down and you start learning with him and you realize that he knows most of the cho- most of the times, most of the children, I'm also careful not to get black and white, but most of the children that talk this way know most of what's going on. But the few things that they didn't know, the few things that were disturbing to them, threw them off so much that nothing is good anymore. So very often you'll see that somebody who, who talks about things in such, in such, with such terms, like, I don't express anything to my husband, I don't talk about my feelings ever, so then you add without rethinking a million times, but it could be that you talk enough 
and really you're pretty open, but not as open as you'd want to be, so you think that you're not open at all, and really it's not all that bad, and I would assume that there is some communication here, and that your husband is not dreaming. Maybe he is, but I would assume that he's not just fantasizing that he's heard you talk about your feelings. Um, that's first of all. Another, another issue, I don't want to call it a woman issue, because then people might get offended, so I won't call it that. But another issue that sometimes women have, or others, for example, as well, you have no clue how I'm feeling. What makes you think I don't have a clue how you're feeling? If you'd only know. Again, what makes you feel I don't know? Because <laughs> I didn't even tell you. You didn't? No, you shouldn't. You think I told you. You didn't even know what I have to say. At some point you start realizing that in, in your mind, you feel that there's so much going on that the other person has no clue about and you can't handle that they don't know. And one of the proofs you have that they don't know is because they're not doing or saying or coming up with or being creative enough to deal with what you would want them to do in a certain way. It must mean that they don't know. In the meantime, they heard it from you not once, not twice, a thousand times already. I already, I happen to have this challenge myself where I only counsel men, I don't speak to women, and I can have sometimes women who are very upset that I would even dare talk to their husband without hearing them out. Okay, all right, that's understandable. Everyone wants to be heard. But sometimes the expression goes, but you have no clue what I have to say. I say, what, do you, what does that mean? I already heard your husband repeat everything that you ever said in the past to him starters, so, okay. I already, I already read a long email or six that you wrote to me expressing everything you have to say. I even got a phone call from your therapist who only heard from you, by the way, not from your husband, and repeated to me 45 minutes of what you have to say. You even left a message on my voicemail what you have to say. What, what didn't I hear? Now, I know that you didn't get the feedback and the validation and the, and, you know, that you want to hear, and I understand that. I understand that's what you want. But what makes you think I don't know what you have to say? your email and your voicemail and your husband's um, repetition of your rant and your therapist's uh, you know, thing, it was all the same. I know exactly what you have to say. So forget about it. Again, I'm not here to, to um, I'm justify the way I do therapy or the way I help people. My point is just that so often people will get into that mode of you have, you have no idea how I'm feeling. Again, whatever you could say, you say, and the amount that somebody can't feel what you're feeling, they'll never get anyway. You can't feel what they're feeling either. And, and don't think that it's so... We see the, the gap, the, we see the communication gap as so huge sometimes when it's not all that huge. The fact that somebody didn't respond in a way that you would want them to, or the fact that you didn't say it enough times, or the fact that you don't feel that you gave it off and over exactly the way you'd want it to come out the right way, and that's why you're rehashing and reinventing all over again every, every five minutes, doesn't mean that somebody didn't hear you or knows how you feel. So again, I don't mean to be critical or condescending. I'm just trying to help people understand that it's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to help how you feel when they're living with you for X amount of years. They know how you feel. They heard it a thousand times already. I mean, and, and very often this is... Even if somebody's not expressive at all, by the way, even if somebody's not expressing themselves at all, it's very possible that they, that they give off how they feel and their actions and their behaviors and their attitude and their, and their expressions um, give off how they, how they feel. That's even if you're not, even if you're not um, saying anything, especially if your husband's less expressive than you are and he picks up on these things quicker, he doesn't need all that all that chewing on the ear to, to figure out how you feel. So, again, I'm just, I'm just pointing out that sometimes you'll see yourself as so miscommunicating with feelings and, and it's not all that. You know, I, I just gave like four or five um, examples of how this could be, but uh, you know, that's, that's just sometimes how it is. Another thing that I want to point out over here, because I see this getting in the way so often, is that the, the very fact that you see the situation one way and he sees it another way, to some people that's a huge challenge. A huge challenge. What, what do you, 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 think, you think we're communicating? How dare you? 
In other words, I'm more offended by the fact that you think that we're doing good than by the fact that I don't feel good. The fact that I don't feel good is one thing, but if you would agree at least that we're not doing good, okay, so we're on the same page. But you think we're doing good? How could you? Now, now when you think about it, what's the problem? We have different perspective of a situation. Different opinions. Yeah, but it must mean, it must mean that you don't get it. Why must it mean I don't get it? I get what you get, and we disagree. We, we see things differently. What was the problem? I once said for, I think it was Ruben Sintorsky, who said that he was sitting with a couple, and he turns to the Ingaman, and he says, okay, so what's going on? Shalom is no good. Okay, how long is this going on? He says, about six months. And he sees the, the woman sitting there, you know, getting all angry and all hyperventilating. He looks at her, what's going on? What is? How long is the problem going on? Seven years. Okay, so he was bringing out one point, how different people see things different ways, and it's so obvious that that is almost always how it's going to be. We don't only fight over who's at fault, we fight over how big the fault is or how big the problem is. My point is just that sometimes people get so offended by the fact that you, you think we're only struggling six years? How do you think that the first six and a half years were good? Uh, six months? The, f- the first six and a half years? How do you think that? How do you see differently than me? Why are you getting so offended? I mean, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. It's fine that we feel differently about the situation. It doesn't mean I don't get it. I understand that you feel I don't get it. So here's the part that I want to address. Just like when it comes to communication, those who listen to my classes and those who talk to me know that a lot of healthy communication has to do with um, starting your sentence and your expression and your interaction with, with um, the words, I feel. In other words, if I want to tell you that you're hurting me, instead of saying, you hurt my feelings, or you're being nasty to me, it's not about you. I feel hurt. I could even add, I'm sure you didn't mean to hurt me. You said this and this, I felt very hurt by that. The more I talk about my feelings, the more I'm credible and the more I'm, 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 I'm in a position to describe how I'm feeling. I could be totally off. I could even tell you that I'm, I'm okay if I'm totally off, but I'm telling you how I feel. I'm communicating how I feel. There's nothing to contradict or to disprove. It's just something to hear and, and realize that mm, maybe you could say something differently that would make me feel better. Uh, my point over here is that with yourself as well, when somebody's bothered by something and they want to write it down, if you start off your sentence to yourself, I feel, it already changes everything. I feel that we're not communicating. Could be we are. Just like you would understand, I hope, that telling it to your husband, it would be something like, could be, I'm wrong about this, but I feel this way. Say it to yourself too. It's only a feeling and a perspective and an opinion. And very often we take ourselves so seriously that we can't imagine there's another way to see it, that not only are we so sure about the problem, but we're actually offended by the fact that somebody doesn't see it the right way and the correct way and the accurate way and the real way uh, the way it is. So again, I, uh, nothing personal. I don't know who you are, but I'm just I'm just pointing these things out to people who could benefit from them. With that said, let me just go into the next thing over here, and that is that when I say a shear, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you meant that you and your husband were listening to my shear about getting wives to open up or not. Um, but you know, I have spoken about these things in the past. But like I mentioned very often, what's awareness for? A shear about men getting their wives to feel comfortable opening up is not for a woman. To tell her husband, you got that? The woman should be listening to Shiurim about how to communicate and how to be vulnerable and how to be open and how to, how to not assume that somebody's reading your mind and how to know how to share what's on your mind and your feelings. Um, leave, the, uh, leave the men to hear what they have to hear. Now sometimes someone will say, well, well, he's not listening to what he has to hear. That's his problem, not yours. There's enough for you to do and hear, which I'll, I'll talk about now. Awareness is, is not about being more resentful and more hurt by realizing the problem and knowing what somebody else should be doing about it. That, that's not awareness. That's not, that's not helping anyone. So and anything that I ever say is always with the motive of helping people who are in the position of doing something do it better. Um, you know, so that's, that's just an introduction. Now getting practical over here. 
and, and like, like I say, while, while it's true, while it's true that I do try to teach husbands and wives, for that matter, I don't see it as a gender issue, to allow communication and invite communication and react and respond in a way that makes someone feel comfortable communicating. It's all true. I, I really do believe in that. If, if you feel, again, I'm just repeating it again now, just, to, just so that, that I'm not retracting. If you feel that your spouse is not open enough to you, whoever it is, husband or wife, then try to think of whatever you could do to make them feel more comfortable being open to you. Try to see if you have any part in that discomfort that they have and try to see if you could get them to feel comfortable enough to share with you either by inviting it more or, or being more patient to hear it or not responding right away, not reacting, etc., etc. Not a question. Now, when you're on the other side of the equation and you're the one that's rethinking things a million times before you say them, there's a few things to think about. It could be that the reason is because your husband is not allowing you to communicate. It's possible. That's why I said the first year. Um, for him to understand. But, but sometimes, sometimes, it's not, all about, it's not all about somebody else not making you feel good enough to communicate. Very often, it's a personal issue. In other words, the interpersonal part where somebody else could be um, reacting the wrong way to what you want to share, okay, that's for them to understand. But there's more to it. Sometimes you're communicating in a way that's actually making somebody feel very intimidated and they find it offensive, and that's what makes them get defensive. So also, interpersonally, you have what to work on on your end, how to communicate initially. And sometimes it's a personal issue. There are people who are not expressive, or they don't know how to be vulnerable, and they don't know how to share, and they're insecure, and they don't know how it's going to sound, and what will he think? And if I say that I'm hurt, will it make me look bad, will it make me look like a baby? Uh, either because of my childhood trauma when I used to share my feelings, or my own insecurities, or how I look at somebody else who shares their feelings. But it's a personal thing. And sometimes we use against people that we're busy rethinking. I, I can't tell you anything. Why not? Or well, I tell you this and this? Yeah, why not? Because then you're going to think I'm stupid, right? No. Do you feel stupid? This could be your own issue. This could be your own issue. I was talking last week to Ingaman who was telling me that he, he, he has a problem at, at work with his boss. Um, he can't tell him this, he can't tell him that. I said, did you ever try? No, I, I can't say this to the boss. So again, it could be the boss should be more inviting for feedback and more, uh, you know, make people feel more comfortable. It's true, but, but if you never tried and you're afraid and you're intimidated and you don't know how it's going to be taken and you're ashamed and, and it's a pastachnish, what do you want for someone else? So this is something that you might, you might have to work on on your own, either by just jumping in and trying it out, just like you jump into a pool or, or you go out in the rain or you do anything you have to, even, even if it's very difficult. Or if it would be easier for you and you do believe that it has something to do with the way your spouse would respond or listen to you, um, maybe teach them how to do it. I spoke about this a few times already. More than a few times. Knowing how to tell someone, listen, I want to share with you how I feel. I'm afraid, again, this is also being vulnerable, I understand. I'm afraid that when I say this, you'll machalek. You could back it by your reasoning because last time you did it or I think you once did it or I'm afraid you might do it. Or maybe that's because how I respond to you actually. Okay, um, I would appreciate if you could just listen to me. Just listen. I want to share something. Just listen. I, don't want, I would appreciate if you tell, just tell me I hear you and, and we leave it at that. If you, if you help someone, if you help, instead of just being upset that they don't know how, what to do or they don't know how to do it, if you, could help them, if you could help them understand what it is that you would appreciate and what it is that they could do or listen or respond with or react in a way that's going to make it easier for you to interact and, and communicate. My point to you is just that on your end, the awareness of any kind of lack of communication the awareness of what you could do, either by being more 
vulnerable and overcoming your own insecurities. Or by helping your spouse, instead of being upset at him, but helping him understand what it is that you're looking for without telling him you should, look, you should listen to a shir and you should do it right and you're doing it all wrong. Nothing about you. It would mean to me so much if you could listen and understand and just, and just be there for me. That might help you a lot. So I'm not retracting from what I started off with saying that I don't believe it's as dysfunctional and problematic as you, as you think it is. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, 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 and don't take so personally the fact that I, at least he sees it that way and maybe me also. I don't know. Um, but I would say that there is a lot for you to do if you feel that you were thinking things too many times um, and you can't express yourself. You know, so these are some, just some tips that I would, I would uh, suggest to you. I, I do want to mention in terms of communication in general a few points. Let's call it um, three points. Three points. Point number one is, is the mind reader syndrome. Okay, and this is something I started off with as well with the Benoist Salafchad. Very, very many, again, I'm going to say women, but please nobody get offended. Many men have this. Many men quote it from their wives already. Um, but it doesn't matter if it's men or women or boys or teenagers or anyone or your, mar- or your parents or your grandparents. Many people have this, this mind reader syndrome of expecting that somebody else should know what's on their mind without them saying it. Now, people laugh when you talk about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous, no? To think that somebody would know what's on your mind. Whoever is suffering from this syndrome and getting upset at somebody for not knowing on their own is, is almost always backing it by logic. It's never that I really think that you're a mind reader or a mentalist. It's that I think it's so obvious that I'm willing to tell you. What do you mean? I have to tell you? Everybody knows this. You can ask anyone, right, that... That's a ridiculous statement. You could ask anyone. There's no one to ask. But very often we back it with logic. The point is just that if there's something you want someone to know, whether it's about how you feel, or it's about how you feel about expressing how you feel, or it's about anything, anything that you want, and you didn't say it, then it's wrong of you to assume that they know it or should know it on their own. Just like, for whatever reason, you feel this way, they can feel a different way. It doesn't make any sense. Instead of getting resentful, instead of getting upset, instead of just... Just digging deeper a hole. I'm not. You think I'm going to tell you? How, no, forget about. It. I'm not going to say it. And you just get harder and harder on yourself. That's point number one. Don't 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 hurt yourself by not communicating. Point number two. There are situations where it's difficult to communicate. It's not easy. It doesn't make you feel good. And and you're exposing yourself and you're being vulnerable and and you might be ashamed or whatever. In most cases, you'll feel better after you communicate. In other words, even if, even if you're right, that if I say this, he's going to make me feel like that, and I'm so ashamed, make fun of me, at the end of the day, it's still usually better than not saying. Because walking around with that message inside, assuming that oh, I'll swallow, it's fine, it's not fine. It's building up resentment. It's, it's going to come out the wrong time anyway. Um, aside from the fact that he or she probably know it anyway, so there's no point in, in hiding it. And just saying it and blurting it out and not, and not dealing with the feeling of, oh, if only he would know, if only she would know, if only she would let me say, if only he would let me... Just, just say it, just say it, you'll feel better, you'll feel relieved. Now say it in a nice way and say it the right way and don't just vent and, and, and vomit on someone because it's going to make you feel better. But, but most often you'll feel better, so don't hurt yourself by not saying something, as hard as it is. However, point number three is this. Not everything has to be said. Not everything has to be said. The fact that saying something will make you feel better doesn't mean it has to be said. There's that word from the Sananta, first of all. Uh, that I, I, I always like this word. So Sananta said that the fact that you have to ask someone Mechila because you did something wrong to him, or you're, you spoke behind his back, for example, you insulted him, you ashamed him, you know, doesn't, the fact that you need Mechila, and that you won't have that Kapuras Avoinus, let's call it, without getting Mechila, because Benudun Lachalayra, Yom Kippur is not Mechapa, doesn't mean you're allowed to hurt his feelings. If you're going to go to your friend and say, you should know, there were 100 people sitting there, and I, 
I showed everyone a, a picture about, of you that was very embarrassing. Or I, I said something about you that you didn't want me to share, and everyone knows it now. If you're going to hurt that person's feelings by asking a mechila, you you're not allowed to do that. What do you mean? But how can I get mechila then if I can't ask him forgiveness? Well, because you need mechila means you're allowed to hurt his feelings? That was Rasul Salanta's approach to these things. My point is just that if it's going to make you feel better to say something about someone to them, communicate something, because you're getting it off your chest, and very many people have this thing, I, I just had to get it off my chest. If you're hurting someone's feelings by doing that, then, then don't say it. The fact that it will make you feel better doesn't mean everything has to be said. My point is just that rethinking something a million times, on some level, in some areas, in some topics, might be the right thing to do, and I cannot say it. Siyog la means that the siyog before chachma, before knowing how to give out advar chachma, and make sure that it is chachma that's being communicated, is by having a, a fence around it with some shtika, some thinking. Maybe yeah, maybe not. There is definitely something called a misfiloi, nishma. There are things that should not be said. So, so often people have this thing, I uh, quote often the Batanira, the Mishnah, and there are things you shouldn't tell your wife because it's going to work against you, it's not good to communicate. There's definitely something about not communicating everything. That transparency, I have to say it, and you should know how I feel, and we don't hide anything. It's wrong. Not everything has to be communicated. So if you feel that sometimes you can't be open enough to say everything, and you feel very lacked by that, very limited by that, you should know that not everything has to be said. Again, just a week ago, a guy calls me, he wants to tell his wife this and that about how he feels about her, in a negative way. How can I tell it to her? I want, I want you to tell me the wording, I should say it, okay? I don't want to turn to a major federal case, a big fight, but I have to say this and this and this. I can tell you how to say it the best way possible as opposed to the worst way possible make the least damage but you're asking me I don't think you should say it saying this message will be hurtful and damaging and there's no point in it but I have to, I have to it's eating me the fact that it's eating you I might make you feel better doesn't mean it's the right thing to say again if you have to say it and you're going to say it anyway I'll, I'll, I'll definitely help you take the edge off it but I don't think it should be said and there are a lot of things like that so this is something that you know, whenever we talk about um, communication some things are best left unsaid. And don't assume that because you want to say something or because you can't say something, that, that it must be that there's a way to, that it should be given over. So I'm just going to end with something that I mentioned before. I happen to think you have a wonderful relationship based on what you're writing. I think many people who see their relationships as very dysfunctional sometimes really have wonderful relationships. It could be that you and your husband see the situation differently and it could be you, you're not expressive or open or communicative as much as you'd want and it could, be, it could use some some uh, mending and some improvement, and it could be not. And if it could, it doesn't mean your relationship is bad, it doesn't mean you have to have all those exclamation marks and, and abbreviations and uh, wonder like, wow, oh my God, what's happening here? It's okay, we all have work to do. And I yourself, like the B'nai Slavchot, something's on your mind, you say it, and when, something's, when you feel very strongly about something, you check to see if someone else feels the same way, and you don't get offended by the fact that they don't. And I yourself with the right understanding, we could all understand each other, communicate well, and live together.